Welcome to ESG in VC podcast. Thanks for tuning in and for making the time to learn about ESG and impact investing. You will hear from top players in the ESG space and get a chance to explore how investors, regulators and founders try to build a more sustainable and inclusive society. I'm your host, Aksana Stowe, and today I'm talking to Victoria Ferguson. Victoria is a partner and general counsel at MMC Ventures, one of the most active investors in early-stage tech in Europe. She is an experienced venture capital lawyer, leading the legal work on MMC investments, following on funding and exits. She also leads the firm's ESG work, including its efforts as a B Corp. I'm glad you are all here, so let's dive in. Hi, Victoria. It's really good to have you with us today. Thank you for joining. And I wanted to start with a little bit of an explanation for listeners who are unfamiliar with what being a certified B Corp means. And if you could briefly give an introduction and perhaps maybe go into high level requirements around it. Yeah, that would be great. So the B Corp movement found in the US, but now a totally global movement, is one that espouses the view that businesses could and should be a force for good. And it very much has this idea that as a business, you can marry profit with purpose. And in fact, it's encouraging companies to look in the jargon at the triple bottom line. So what it says when you sign up to be a B Corp, you go through an assessment process and you get a particular score but you also pledge to do three things really and the first is that every year you produce an impact report on the impact that your company has had on the environment on people and the planet but also you change in England the articles of your company so your bylaws so that success is not just profit to the shareholders but also that you have and I'll look it up so you can have precisely the wording through your business and operations you will have a material positive impact on society and the environment taken as a whole. So you still absolutely work for your shareholders, you still absolutely make profit, but in that sense, the triple bottom line, that no stakeholder capitalism, whatever jargon you might be familiar with, that sense of actually your business can be bigger and better than just cash return to the shareholders. And actually for English companies, that's not too hard because <laughs> the companies actually requires directors to think about a company's decision with respect to the environment, the community it lives in, to society at large. So actually, English companies will be relatively familiar with this concept. You may not embed it in your articles as much and you may not have it as front of mind as becoming a B Corp really encourages you to do. But it's not so totally removed. And then you also pledge your interdependence on other B Corps, i.e. you'll all hold each other to the highest standards. So that's really what it's for and why. And that message of business being a force for good really chimed with us at MMC. We've always thought venture capital could be a force for good as well. And so we've even defined that language mirrored was really attractive. So what the process is becoming a beacon is that you have an assessment of 200 or so questions about all aspects of your business. So your employees, your, yes, a little bit about your product, but actually that's not the overwhelming one. Your faith, you're a bit on the environment, on your community. And there are also then some other kind of 
general diligence questions around like particular sectors or have you ever been involved in litigation, for instance, and that kind of thing. And they're not, they're not red lines. Obviously, all companies of a certain size will have had some litigation. The question is, you know, why and how? It's sort of those types of screening questions. So what you do, you answer those questions the best you can. And if you get a score of at least 80 points, if you want, you can then submit for verification to become a B Corp. And what that process is, is you've gone through a thing, is you then upload the supporting documents to answer those questions. So if it's asking about your paternity or paternity leave, you'll upload the staff handbook and say, it's there on page 20, here's the evidence of what we've done. There's a bit of a queue at the moment. In fact, B Corp's been incredibly popular, particularly in the UK. So you tend to start the system and then unfortunately you have a bit of a pause while you wait to be properly assessed by the analysts. And you might occasionally see a B Corp pending status for some companies. It's sort of been adopted to say, look, I've got more than my 80 points. I feel confident that on the assessment, those numbers are going to hold. But I'd like to tell people that I'm nearly there. I really am. So you see B Corp pending. You then meet with an analyst who reviews your information and checks it's secure. You have some conversations sometimes around areas, I think particularly with business models, sometimes explaining how your bit fits into the questions. I should say the questions are, they're suitable for all businesses, but they are aligned a little bit on size of business, on type of business and your geography, to give a bit of fairness. And assuming that the points hold and this verification exercise holds and you become a B Corp and you go and celebrate and then start to, they're very keen to discuss that this is, the beginning of a journey and not the end of it. This is where you start and you think about what improvements you'd like to make and how you would like to continue on your journey and the impact you're going to have as a B Corp. Fascinating. And is it a one-off certification process or how is it audited? Yeah, it's you renew every three years and you recertify every three years. So we are two years qualified in September. So we've just received our start your recertification process emails. So yes, it's a three yearly process. It's clearly you're encouraged to improve your score and hopefully being part of the B community will give you ideas and inspiration as to ways to improve your score, but it's not essential. And also the questions do change slightly over time. And I think some of the point scoring changes slightly over time. So it may well be that what was true and fair when you first qualified may have changed slightly over over time. And in terms of investors in a fund, because I know MMC has quite a range of investors, you have retail investors, you also have institutional investors, have they questioned you a lot about it? What was their reaction to you choosing to invest time, invest effort, and do they think it was the right thing to do? Um, The feedback we've had has been overwhelmingly positive. We've had a great deal of interest. Some, I think, genuine open questions. B Corps, perhaps traditionally, have been thought of as consumer products. Some of the very earliest B Corp companies were things like Ben & Jerry's and Patagonia. Very well-known consumer brands, retail brands, and also ones that are quite conspicuous with their political choices, shall we say. So for a retail fund in the UK, financial services, and yeah, although we're retail, you still have reasonably high net worth individual in order to meet our qualification requirements is that a slightly odd choice but actually the feedback in general has been very when we explain it and people who really know about it actually very positive to say actually this sense of business can be a force for good should be applied to all sorts of businesses it doesn't have to be just retail type consumer businesses and the fact that it's the, the assessment is a holistic one although the questions do trim slightly depending on what it is your business actually does 
nonetheless, you are looking holistically at your business and your relationships, environmental and community relationships and all the rest of it. So we have, as I say, we've had, it's been really positive. I've had a lot of other funds getting in touch, asking about how would they go about it. There were a few that then followed on. We were the first UK general venture fund to become a B Corp in the UK. Since then, there have been a few others. And then just on broader terms, some of the advisors and LPs, wealth managers rather, are doing it themselves. We're looking very hard at B Corp as an option. And we certainly know from some of our investors that they like the idea that their investments with us, again, are contributing something a bit more to people and planet. And then in terms of institutional LPs, again, there's such a movement at that level to produce, to find fund managers who have real, genuine commitment to ESG in the broadest sense, that for them it's quite an easy sense of like, great, you became a B Corp, we know what that is, we know what that does, and we recognise the robustness of that qualification. And why did MMC choose B Corp specifically? Because there are obviously other alternatives and there are quite a lot of different frameworks. And But I think the one that is a lot of funds gravitating towards recently being Article 8 or Article 9 funds. Why did you go for that B Corp specifically, I wouldn't call it a framework because it's slightly different. Yeah. So B Corp, as I said, in many ways, that ethos of being a force for good really chimed with the, what we'd been doing over the last 20 years. Emotionally, intellectually, it was not a stretch for us. And the more you read about it, you're like, yeah, the more this fits with who and what we'd like to be as a business. We really liked the fact that it was an holistic examination of the entire business. So for example, We are signatories to the UNPRI. We are signatories to investing in women code. But those two are just focused on financial services. And their reporting is quite high level. And investing in women really is truly diversity focused. The PRI is quite dry, I would say, in both what you need to report and what it produces back to us. It has become a bit more enlivened in recent times, but it's relatively dry. The other thing to note with the PRI is that in the last few months, there's been a fantastic push around venture capital. I'm really talking to us and engaging with the community, and I really applaud the PRI for having done that, and I'm delighted to be part of that. And it's come out with their new DDQ that's focused specifically for venture funds, because the problem we had before that was the materials and the reporting requirements didn't work for true venture funds. At a totally fine for private equity, and majority owners, I think it worked reasonably well for growth investors with big teams, lots of people, again, quite a lot of control over their portfolio companies. But early stage venture investors with 20, 30 people in your team and 70 plus companies in a portfolio and you own 10 to 15% of the company in total. What was being asked for previously just didn't really make sense for venture investors to get involved with. I'm delighted to say that that's changed and, and we're proud to be signatories to the PRI. Looking looking forward, I say, slightly dauntingly, to doing our first lot of reporting because it's fairly hefty reporting. That's one of the other things that we liked about B Corp was that, yes, you absolutely should still do an annual report. You have to do this impact report, but you're able to frame it much more around what makes sense for you as a business which is not to cherry pick your best stats, 
but it does mean that you can then write about stuff where you've truly had an impact and where it matches with what gets you and your business excited. The PRI is a lot more prescriptive about what it requires, for instance. So one, and again, it doesn't preclude you doing anything else. So we're also on slightly separate to ESG, but on the diversity angle, we have our diversity VC level one. We have other frameworks and and are involved in other organisations and things that we do. But for us, the holistic nature of B Corp was attractive. The ethos behind it and the fact that you're able to make it really focused and inspire yourselves because you can pick up the bits that really matter around your company and that are material to you and your team and your product and so on. And as you mentioned that you have spoke to a few other funds about becoming B Corp certified, also quite a few startups pursue that certification as well. What's your sort of number one advice for anyone considering becoming a B Corp? Yeah, we do. So we've had two portfolio companies that are now B Corps. It's Gusto and Packed Coffee. So perhaps unsurprisingly, they fall into what you might call your traditional B Corps. They're both consumer products. And for both, it was quite hefty. I mean, they they are both food companies. They're doing their analysis on their environmental impact and their supply chain is a lot more work than it, than it was for us. But what's also fascinating is our portfolio companies. We have two or three software companies, cloud infrastructure and cloud ops and so on companies who are in the queue at B Corp. They're B Corp pending or going through the process. And I will publicize them when they go public. They're not quite there yet. They're absolutely doing it. That's the bit that's fascinating that all sorts of companies now want that certification. But my top tip for companies who are looking to do it is, so if you look up B Corp um, Impact Assessment, Google that, and you will find the link to that framework of 200 or so questions that you need to answer. And B Corp, do not look at any of those questionnaires until you press submit and send it in. So you can use your own email and your own company name, or you can do it under a false name, a pseudonym, to do it as a practice run. And what I would suggest is it takes about an hour, is go through, tick the boxes, either stuff you know, or a reasonable estimate. So for example, some of the questions are around team demographics, gender divide and so on, which maybe you might have to guess, but you can just guess for now. Don't forget to tick boxes on things that perhaps you don't do right now, but could put in place. For instance, one of the questions is like, do you have a list of local suppliers that the team can use from? And you're like, I don't, but give me half an hour and you can. Because also local, <laughs> this is occasionally you see with B Corp, the kind of the Americanness of it. So local here means anywhere within 50 miles. So London to Brighton. So if you produce that list of, of local suppliers, which clearly you could write down, fairly quickly you're like fine I'll give myself a tick there because that's definitely something I could do some of them you might need to be slightly more thoughtful like do you or could you it can be forward looking they're totally fine with you creating things for this process so if for example the question is you know you report annually to your board of directors on ESD issues you probably don't at the moment but you think actually I think I could see myself doing that and we're going to have to buy in collectively to do it to become a B Corp So I would suggest you go through and frankly, either you basically get to 80 points or above fairly easily, or it's a stretch. And if it's a stretch, it's fine. B Corp is not, it's great, but it's not the be all and end all. And so if you can't get to 70, you can't, you can't get to 80 rather, it's fine. 
just relax and try something else because the problem is it's sort of fundamentally not equipped your business. Somebody described it as B Corp being something that's then done to the company rather than being something that the company is. And that sense, you can probably crowbar most organisations through in year one, but whether or not you could recertify in three years' time, perhaps not. So yeah, that would be my top two. It's just have a look, spend an hour, go through the questions and just see whether or not it feels like something that naturally sits in the way your company is and behaves at the moment. And yeah, interestingly enough, the number of companies in UK is at achieved certification has nearly doubled over the last year. Why do you think there is such a big uptick? Is it because investors reward companies or customers reward companies for that? Or what do you think as the major drivers? Yeah, it's fascinating. And part of this is mega long queue. And I was at a party the other day for B Corp celebrating a thousand B Corps in the UK. And they did an exercise of like, hands up if you qualified in 2016, which was the first year. And they went by year by year. And it's just very tiny numbers hands. 2020 when we qualified, still not massive. And then 21 quite a lot. And 22 is just the forest of arms went up at that point. I think it's reached a point where people began to learn what it was. It's talked about much more. It's in the newspapers quite, in fact, almost so often that I've heard occasionally people like, isn't that quite passe now? Like, isn't everyone a be cool? Shouldn't we be doing something else? So I would say that it's reached a level of consciousness. And so again, companies like my software companies, who even two or three years ago would have been like, I don't really quite know how that fits with what we do. Look at that and being actually, do you know what? It's meant to be this holistic view. It's meant to be this total overall of like how you run your business and what it's for. And so I say it's, it's reached a point of interest in public consciousness and an understanding that it can be for all types of businesses, not just certain types of businesses. I think it's perceived as being robust. So again, anyone can say, oh, our products are X, Y, and Z. Again, you're like, here's our market where somebody really has assessed us and found us good enough in lots and lots of areas. I think it's also... We know from employment, it's a tough employment market, employers at the moment. So again, being able to say to your employees, look, we are, we're purpose-driven, we're trying to, you not just coming to work to make some money for you and make money for the shareholders, but actually, ideally, we're also trying to make a positive impact on people and the planet. For some people, that's going to be, it's probably not the deciding factor, but it probably, it In fact, I know for at least one of our employees, it was a really, really big plus reason why they joined us. And certainly for existing employees, again, it was an exciting project to really feel that, again, we're not just saying these things, but we're putting our money where our mouth is and our action. And I think that's another reason why people just feel like it's a a sort of mark of quality. Yeah, and interesting, actually, talking about mark of quality, there has been some backlash a little bit because BrewDog that has been certified quite a few times, or I think once, and then they were announced to be an employer of the year by B Corp. And then the story came out that actually they are not the most responsible employer. What are your thoughts about that backlash controversy? How can this be avoided? Is it a B Corp's fault? How would you untangle a situation like that? Yeah, it's been really tricky. And actually, I think BrewDog's certification as a B Corp has actually formally been revoked. 
And we talk about this as well because there have been a couple of other companies recently. Nespresso is one which has become a B Corp. And again, people say, but your product is literally little pods don't ever that will last forever and are just prepared and to totally destroying the planet. And there are lots of great coffee companies. Why why have you signed on Espresso? And I think these are really, really fair challenges. And I think B Corp originally was trying to be fairly inclusive, that sense of like, here's the thing, and if you're doing well enough then that's good. And we also want to reward and encourage people who are trying and to improve. And I would say it's one of the flaws, a little bit of the framework was shown up by Brewdog, which effectively is, do you have a policy on X? Tick. Do you do something or other? Tick. And there are questions about how the employees do. So for example, you have to have the questions is about like effectively what's your net prorated score on your staff survey. But again, if it's high enough, that's it. But it's not cut off. Like it's not as if it's a low mark that bars you from being a B Corp. You just don't get any points. But if you're getting your points from somewhere else, that's what balances out. So there's probably, and B Corp are actually changing the assessment process. They've not announced a final date, but probably late 2023. So maybe in a year or so's time, they'll have moved to a different process because they're trying to respond to some of these controversies and they haven't quite settled on it whether it's going to be like you have to have a minimum score in each of the areas they're definitely the questions that I've seen as being the current thoughts if you like rather than changing from kind of relatively rules-based checklist focused and if you do enough of the following things you get a score to sort of almost more like an outcomes basis. So show us how you incorporate human rights into your employee practices, into your supplier practices, things like that. So it's meant to be, I think, more outcomes focused rather than just a straight little do the thing, tick the box. And I think that will be helpful. Fundamentally, if you have all these companies, you can do as much diligence as you like, but it's very hard. You are fundamentally only able to examine that which the company puts forward and you can only ask for things like policies or things unless you start interviewing staff it's very hard to avoid I think the other thing they can do which they have now done with B Corp which is to remove people who fall short where the practice is oh yeah we reached the score we're doing our thing and actually it turns out not that's the challenge and it has teeth and by removing the status of Brewdog I think it may encourage others to think carefully about whether or not B Corp status is really the right thing for their company as opposed to simply being able to crowbar through that process on your first attempt. Yeah, interesting. And this comes back to the debate around all other frameworks, improving planet people and still be profitable. And there are A, there is too many standards. The next question is, how do you audit what you claim? And should it be a government initiative? How do you start to regulate it? Is regulating it the right initiative? What are your thoughts there? There's a great many ESG items which are already subject to regulation in the UK. We have equal opportunities and anti-discrimination law. We have, sadly, detoothed and declawed environmental laws, but we have environmental laws around all sorts of aspects of food production and waste management and so on. So that's already there. If you sell financial services, we're a regulated industry. So customers mislabeling goods, there's regulation around all of that. Um, I think the ones that are successful, um, possibly on the reasons why Big Pop and some of the other framework, often in smaller sections, the ones that kind of excite people are the ones that are positive rather than negative. 
The ones that say, oh, I'm really excited. Let me show you what I'm doing. Let you inspire me with some things of best practice of like, I'm doing four out of these eight things. And that's great. But actually, you've listed four other things that maybe at least two of them are perhaps possible for my company. So brilliant. You've given me some ideas to improve and to expand. And so they're focused on the positive and the creation of impact, not merely the minimization of harm, however important it is to minimize harm positively impacting is important and inspiring as well. And I think that's the mood grabbing certifications in the broader sense. So in venture, the diversity VC standards, for instance, I think fall into that category, that positive category. What are you doing? Here are some ideas generally that all sorts of other people are doing. If you're doing those, great. If you're doing something else, we'd also like to hear about it. I think those are the ones where people get it, as opposed to simply, we have to do this because it's the law. And um, it also allows some of the more nebulous ones. So customer success, which people always forget, but is actually one of the ones under the S category, is a big driver for a lot of our companies as disruptors. One of the things they often feel the pain point of customers is some big, sort of slightly half-hearted service, a product that's like good enough, but not great. And they want to deliver the really great product, the thing that the developers love to use every day, that they actually refer to other people themselves because it's so brilliant. So there's no real place, I think, in regulation for customer services, for instance, a customer success, but clearly something that will drive your business forward, no end, will drive your employees forward because they've got a product that customers love to buy and even recommend. So yeah, so I think that is, regulation is there and it sets the very minimum standards that all of us as businesses and as employers need to abide by. Great. The ability to go higher and do more, that's where I think these certifications really add value. Yeah. And in terms of your agenda for next year, and we can call it ESG practices or continuing doing good work within B Corp guidance or certifications, what are those? What's on your agenda? Yep. Well, obviously, the big one is recertifying as a B Corp. Um, but I'll say, yeah, so we set ourselves a few goals. So we, this is going to be the year we're finally going to measure our carbon footprint. We've been trying for a while. And I think anyone else who's like us, who also has a serviced office somewhere in central London, where the landlord will not even give you an electricity breakdown, will share with me that pain of every time you go to a carbon footprint provider, who are like, yeah, 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 we can definitely do it. What's your electricity bill? Like, I've no idea. Can't do it, won't tell me. Um, so this is the year we're, we're going to crack it. We have cracked it. Shout out to my colleague, Henry, who has grabbed this, even if it's literally men walking around the office, pointing at people going, you, where do you commute from? How long does it take? Do you come on the tube? Do you come on a bike? What are you doing? So he has grabbed a carbon footprint. So we are, it's not going to be perfect. And there's going to be some guesstimates in there, but we are going to get it done. And I think we'll be really it's that classic thing isn't it do it the first year and it's a real pain and then you begin to do it more often you're like why was this ever difficult and what's the next thing we can do and how can we improve and what else can we measure and how can we offset which so it'll be really interesting and also mmc a couple of years ago bought sequoia trees in the uk that were planted specifically one for each then team member which would capture the carbon footprint of that individual for a lifetime which was fantastic. It was the MNC Sequoia Grove. Really proud of having done it. That measured our personal footprint, but now we'll have the MMC carbon footprint. So we should absolutely address how we're going to reduce that and how we're going to offset it. And I think it will be good because we'll get 
already have sort of plans of being like, well, maybe everything should be, maybe most of our food should be vegetarian. Maybe we can absolutely like ditch all plastics in the office. Maybe it's this, this and this, I think. So yeah, the environmental part, I think definitely this year. The other one I'm really keen on is that we're a small company, it's 25 of us, but we have a portfolio of 72 companies. And where venture funds can move the needle, really move the needle, is how we engage with our portfolio and what they end up doing. And so last year, we really started to engage with new portfolio companies on ESG issues and then through our community platform last two years, really, two plus years. Again, quite a lot of training on all sorts of areas, which sneakily the companies just know are things they'll do to make their business better. And we sneakily know, yes, but it's also ESG. When we talk about data ethics, when we talk about data privacy, you're just thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, hang on, this is good for my business. And the answer is, yeah, and also good for people on the planet. But I think this year will be a case of really doubling down on our efforts with the portfolio. They are so open to this. And some of them are actually way ahead of where we are. But most are, they're Series A companies. They're still figuring out the product and the go-to-market and the pricing. And they want to do better and be better. And they don't necessarily quite know where to start and what to do and nobody has time so I think that's my aim is really doubling down on helping them do the stuff they already want to do this is definitely pushing at an open door with with pretty much everybody in the portfolio but that's I think also where as a venture fund that's where you make the real difference yeah and uh, great summary good luck with all of that I'm sure you will do well and uh, on this positive note I will uh, say goodbye and thanks again for joining us and all the best in the new year I look forward to the report <laughs> with all of the details <laughs> yeah that's great thanks Asaf. it's been really good talking to you in fact you can find our impact reports they're ready we run September to September say they're actually on the MMC website already. Great. Thanks again, Victoria. Thanks. Listeners, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or on our website. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. And do not forget to sign up to ESGNVC newsletter for insights and updates. See you at the next episode. Be well. Oh, 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 oh,